and welcome back to the Looking After Nature podcast. My name is Ben Partridge and I'm one of the Community Engagement Rangers at Hampshire Countryside Service. Today I'm joined by Karima, who is our Pollinator Project Officer at Hampshire Countryside Service. She'll be chatting to us today about the subject of pollinators. Hi Karima, how are you? Hi Ben, I'm good thank you. I'm looking forward to chatting to you today about pollinators for sure. Thank you for joining us today. Pollination is such an important topic to talk about. So we will be covering a list of steps our listeners can take to help make a difference. Also, at the end of the episode, we will be answering your burning questions. Karima, to make sure we understand the basics, could you please explain exactly what pollination is? It's the process by which plants reproduce, basically. It's the act of transferring pollen grains from the male part of the plant, the stamen, to the female part of the plant, which is the stigma. Sometimes that's done within the same plant and sometimes it's across different plants. And some plants, will they'll self-pollinate where these things are really close together. Some of them will be pollinated by the wind, but most plants use cross-pollination, which is carried out by insects like butterflies and honeybees. So yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell, basically. The, the, the bees and the butterflies, all the different insects will be flying from one plant to another to, to gather, to get nectar, and they'll sort of get pollen all over their bodies and they'll carry it to the next flower. Is it mainly insects that do the pollination? Some pollination is done by wind. In some other countries, you'll get birds doing pollination like hummingbirds over in the americas and even bats as well but in this country yes it's mainly insects so the six main group of insects that carry out pollination and that is wasps bees flies including our hoverflies moths butterflies and beetles i'm surprised you mentioned wasps as they're normally the bad guys i didn't realize yeah, they get a bad reputation, don't they? But yeah, wasps are really, really important part of our ecosystem. They carry out pollination as well as a whole range of other things as well. Is there any particular time of year when this happens? Yeah, pollination occurs or can occur all year round. Obviously, the majority of pollination happens during the spring and the summer, which is when we see all the flowers out in full bloom. But there are some flowers that we get throughout the year. Ivy is a really good example that you'll see that flowering throughout the winter. And there's some insect species which are alive all through the winter and they really rely on those on those food sources. In turn, what sort of other times have we got daytime and nighttime bees as we know are most active in the daytime they rely on the fair weather days and the heat of the sun to keep them going but moths for example are nocturnal and they'll be flying around and doing all their pollination at night so yeah you could say pollination is happening all the time i'm learning all the time wasps and moths is a whole new world for me you mentioned pollinators in your explanation can you tell me a bit more about them what exactly are pollinators? We talked about a number of different animals that carry out pollinators, but in this country, we've got that I mentioned those six main groups of pollinators, and they're the ones that are actually purposefully seeking out the pollen and the nectar from the flowers. So the pollen is the pollen grains of what transfers, you know, that male part to the female part. So that's important part of the flower. But the nectar is like a sort of sweet, a very sweet, watery liquid which the flower produces just as a reward 
for the pollinating insects. So some insects will be eating pollen and some will be eating nectar. Some will be seeking out both. And yeah, most of them will be going in to get the nectar and then getting the pollen all over their bodies. And then when they visit another flower, some of that pollen will rub off. And it's really interesting as well, if you start looking at all these different insects, how some are, some are more effective pollinators than others, for example. So honeybees collect the pollen on leg baskets on their leg. And you can see, if you look carefully, these little orange balls on their back legs, where it's just collecting. Whereas bumblebees, are, you know, they're obviously big and really fluffy. They'll be collecting pollen all over their body. So they'll just be covered in the stuff. Beetles, a lot of beetles you think of, they're quite shiny, aren't they? So they're not going to carry as much pollen, but they might have a fluffy underside or they might have spiky sort of legs. And what was the other one? Wasps we were just talking about, weren't we? So wasps are really smooth, aren't they? So they're not as effective as bees at pollinating, but they are still going from flower to flower and transferring pollen. So they are important pollinators. And then you've got a whole host of other insects that we would call incidental pollinators. So that might be other insects that don't eat pollen or nectar, but will just accidentally kind of transfer pollen as they're moving around. Like an ant, for example, might just be kind of mooching around the garden and accidentally walk across a flower. But, you know, they're not actually seeking out the pollen and the nectar. Why is it important for our ecosystem for pollination to happen? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think basically it's absolutely vital, these pollination services, because it's the way that plants reproduce. So without these pollinating insects, we're going to have no plants. And obviously, plant, you know, if we lose a lot of our plant species, I mean, it's not every single plant is reproduced this way, but you can imagine the devastating impact it would have, a big loss in the range and diversity of plant species, which would then have a knock-on effect on all the other animals and birds. So it's basically human health and well-being is dependent on on us having a diverse environment to live in. And it's, it's more than just a biodiversity impact and it's more than on oh, nature's just a nice thing to protect. It's an essential service in terms of pollinating our crops as well. So the, all the pollinating insects we've talked about pollinate are about 690 million pounds worth of crops annually. And if, if we didn't have them and we had to take over this job ourselves, not only would it be incredibly difficult and time consuming, but it would cost us an estimated 1.8 billion pounds every year. When you put it in terms like that, it just shows how important they are, doesn't it? I've been reading up about pollination and I see that pollinating insect populations are in decline. Why is this the case and why particularly in Britain? Is there any sort of major reasons? Yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a whole host of reasons. They're facing a lot of different pressures. So it's a build-up of all these different pressures. Pesticides being one of them, the use of pesticides both industrially on our crops and also in industry and as well what people are using at home. There's a whole range of pesticides, aren't there, from weed killers to insecticides to even fertilizers that we might be using. And they all have an impact on the behavior of insects. They're also suffering a decline in their habitat and sources of food. There's much more intensive farming going on now than used to be done in the past, which is resulting in less 
plant diversity. So if the, the British countryside, where there are a lot of sort of monocultures and big fields of crops, it means that there's not a lot of diversity there. And quite often we get much more diversity of different plants and pollinator-friendly plants around, you know, rural villages and things like that, where things that people are providing in their garden are actually providing more diversity than these sort of monocrops. There's also an impact from international markets that's causing the spread of pests and diseases, which can cause competition from invasive species. There's climate change, which is affecting the seasonal behavior of both the plants and the insects. And there's air pollution and artificial lighting as well. Just some examples there. So there's quite a lot they're battling against. Are there any major species that are in decline or is it just sort of across the board? So yeah, it's across the board. So many of our pollinating insects are, you know, at, at the risk of extinction. Bees, especially wild solitary bees and bumblebees are in serious decline in the UK. Sadly, in the UK, we've lost around 13 species already. And there's another 35 that are currently at risk. Also, Europe's hoverflies are in decline as well. Over one third of hoverflies are threatened with extinction in Europe. And yeah, sadly, just the list goes on across all the pollinating insects, basically. There's a bit of a buzz going around about the Parish Pollinators Pledge. Could you shed some light on this for us? Yeah, well, as you know, the Hampshire Countryside Service is responsible for the management of a lot of, of, lot of land. I think we've got over 3,500 hectares of land which we look after, which includes five national nature reserves, 31 local nature reserves, 32 areas of sites of special scientific interest. So we're already doing loads for pollinators. But with the threat that we were talking about to pollinators being a, a loss of habitat, and a, we need a lot more habitat for them, but we need a lot of connectivity between different habitats. So alongside our pledge for pollinators, we've also set up the parish pollinators pledge. And we're working with parish councils all over Hampshire to try and encourage and support them to better manage their land for pollinators as well. One of the recent successes we've had with that is one of our pollinator contacts has been over to Bereton Parish Council, where they worked with volunteers, not just from the village of Bereton, but also from the South Downs National Park. And they came together to clear some rights of way that were overgrown with vegetation, but to do this in a sort of special pollinator friendly way. So perhaps varying the edges along the path, creating different lengths of vegetation. So it's a lot more time intensive for people and that's why all the volunteers were involved. But yeah, that's been done and it brought a lot of people together. So that's a really good example of how that project is already is already helping. And that's we'd like to see more parish councils getting involved and just to see this better connectivity of habitats across the county really. As part of our pollinator pledge, Hampshire Countryside is working hard to help those populations get back up. Let's talk about what attracts pollinators. I think we covered it a bit earlier on. Are there any sort of plants we can use? Yeah, as part of our pollinator pledge, we're asking everybody to get involved. We're taking steps already within Hampshire Countryside Service to help pollinators, but we want to have a more joined up effect. So we're working with other landowners and land managers, and we're also promoting the pollinator pledge to sort of give you ideas for what you can do at home. You can plant wildflowers or sow wildflower seeds at home, and it doesn't matter if you've got a garden or not. You can still plant things in pots or you know window boxes. If you've got a lawn, we we suggest cutting your lawn less often. I think it was 
the sort of classic English lawn that you see was basically created as a symbol of uh, the upper classes, basically, to show your wealth of what, what a lovely manicured lawn you could keep. There's no real reason for us all to have a bowling green type of lawn. So we'd encourage you to think about reducing the frequency of your mowing to perhaps every three to four weeks and then removing the cuttings as well. Because if the lawn cuttings, the grass cuttings go back onto the grass, they'll actually enrich it with more nutrients. And most of our wildflowers need poor nutrient soil to grow well. So yeah, you can cut your lawn less often and try and have different lengths of lawn. So have some longer areas, some shorter areas. You can mow path through longer areas to make it look nicer. If you're specifically interested in what flowers or what flowering plants you can plant, I would recommend the RHS Plants for Pollinators list. They've got a list on their website and they've also got a plant database. So you can use the filters to select plants for pollinators. And then you can also filter by whether it's a shady area or a sunny area or whether you want a climbing plant. And then, yeah, because it's difficult to just give one list because there's so many plants. And we'd recommend sticking to native plants for sure because the the pollinating insects we've got in this country have obviously evolved alongside our native plants. So they've got the best relationship with them that provides the best support to each other. And I just plant as much as you can. So don't mow your lawn so much, plant things in your beds, plant things in your window boxes, get climbers up your wall, plant a, plant a tree, like just the more greenery and flowers you can have, the better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the same goes if you're looking to buy wildflower seeds, we'd recommend finding UK sourced wildflower seeds. You need to be careful with what you buy off the shelf because you might be buying like wildflower seeds from the US or something that wouldn't be good in this area. So if you go online, you can find locally sourced wildflower seeds. Thank you for those tips. That was very helpful. Over the last few days, our listeners have been sending in some questions and we are hoping that you can answer for us. Okay, first question. Will pollinating bees sting? Yes, they will. All female bees can sting. Only the females? Yeah, the males can't sting, just the females. But not all species can actually sting us as humans. Some of the species, their sting might be too flexible or too short, and they're not actually able to sting us. Here's one for you that always confuses me. Why do some insects buzz when they fly and some don't? So why do some insects buzz? So it's to do with how fast they're flapping their wings. So butterflies have got a very slow, flattery flight, and there's not many wing beats per second. Um, but bees are beating their wings extremely fast, somewhere around 200 times a second. So that's where the buzz comes from. And it's the same as hoverflies. They beat their wings incredibly fast. They might be really small, so you might not always hear them. But if you were to put your ear near it, you would hear it. A bit like, you know, when you hear a mosquito in bed. Is it just flying insects that pollinate? I think we covered this a bit previously with the beetles. Is it just sort of beetles and, as you said, ants that might bimble in? Yeah. Yeah, so most of our like official pollinators are flying insects and other sort of crawling insects might pollinate accidentally, basically, as they're going around, but we don't consider them as pollinators. This is a very specific question somebody sent in. I allowed hundreds of sawfly caterpillars to destroy my Solomon seal because I read that they are pollinators. Is it going to be worth it when they emerge? Yep, definitely. 
definitely yeah sawflies like all insects they play a really important role in our ecosystem they're going to be feeding lots of other insects so they're kind of could be pest control for other plants in your garden and and they are important pollinators and you know just what we've been talking about this loss of habitat that the insects are facing and their decline every single little thing you do to help pollinators is going to make such a big difference so yeah you should be proud of yourself for leaving your leaving your sawfly caterpillars is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off any further information from the website yeah if you look up parish pollinator pledge we'll get that link in the notes for you thank you for sending us those questions and karima thank you very much for joining us today you're welcome it's been really fun We'll be sure to put those links to the Pollinator Pledge and Hampshire Countryside social media in the show notes for our listeners to look at. Great. Thank you, Karima. It's been a pleasure. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you leave us a review. This helps other people find us. And if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, get in touch. Thanks for listening to Looking After Nature. See you next time.